Hey friends, welcome back to another Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane. Hi, Lane. Welcome, everybody. So today we are going to be talking about some of, I think some, I don't always know everything we're going to talk about because Lane kind of um, brings the questions that are coming in, but I think we have some really good ones today related to seed starting. So before we jump into that, just remind everybody, if you want to learn more about the Gardener's Workshop and the work we're doing, you can find all that over at thegardenersworkshop.com, as well as our sister podcast, Field and Garden, which you can find on um, podcast apps everywhere, as well as on our YouTube channel. And so with that, Lane, what in the world are we talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about timing of when to start your transplants. There are a lot of little fine details that tend to confuse people. Like, does that time on the back of your seed packet include the time it takes to harden off? And what dates should you use to plan for when to transplant out your warm season stuff? We'll also talk about some fast, medium, and slow growers, and even go through some real-life examples using a calendar. So I hope that after listening to this episode, everyone will understand how to determine their planting dates and calculate when to start their seeds. So I hope this will be very helpful to everyone. Yes. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. So this is the first question. How does someone know how far in advance of their planting date to start their seeds? So just take a given seed. Where can they find the information about how far in advance they should start? And we will talk about how to determine your planting dates a little later on in this episode. For now, we're just focusing on how far in advance of that planting date to start. So I guess it's a little bit deeper than that, isn't it, Lane? It's like, for, is it a warm? They have to know, is it a warm season or a cool season annual? Um, and then know when that particular group is, you know, should be planted where they are. Um, but the number of weeks that are on the back of your seed packet tells me how many weeks in advance of the date that I have figured out. Right. So the back of your seed packet is a great resource. You can yeah. also look on the website of the place you purchase the seeds from. Our yeah. website has a lot of information, even if you haven't purchased from us. And maybe you even have a few reference books. You could also find that sometimes in there. That's a great idea. And so sometimes I know when Bobo and I are stumped over something like that, I'll come and she has all the books out and open. Yeah. So, you know, it happens to all of us. That's why you have to just have some great go-to references. Right. And we should mention the way it might be worded is start seed indoors four to six weeks before planting date. It could be something right. like that. Look for that type of information. All right. So if my seed packet says to start four to six weeks before my planting date, do I need to add additional time for the seed to germinate? And do I need to add additional time for it to harden off? Or is that already accounted for in that four to six week number? What a good question. Um, so in my book, the four to six weeks is from the day you start the seed until the potential day it's ready to be planted in the garden. So that tells you, you know, this is when I need to start it. If I need to plant it on XYZ day, I need to start it four to six weeks. And I think we'll talk about the choice of the four to six weeks. Um, so yeah, that includes the whole trip from seed to transplant. 
Yes, it includes everything. You don't need to add additional time for the seed to germinate or harden off. It's kind of right. included in that time range. All right. So this is a question we also get. Why do I see different estimates for how far in advance to start on different websites? And how do I know which one to trust? So maybe one website says four to six weeks, maybe another says five to seven. What would you recommend someone do in that situation? Sure. And so I think um, in defense of different dates, it may be related to people like us that actually apply our experiences. And that can be related to the way that we start seeds. We on our seed packets, how you see like from, let's just say, for instance, three to four weeks or three to five weeks or something. Um, the, the lower end of that usually is like a soil blocking time because it's quicker. And the longer is for more conventional methods. So I would say what I would do in that situation is to look first off, find a, a reliable source and go to the same one. You know what I mean? You don't need four different opinions on when to start a seed. But if I did have a couple, three different, you know, suggested timing, I would just average it. Just, you got to jump off somewhere. Um, and so, but I think having, I mean, that's really the whole problem, isn't it? All the internet noise. There's so many people telling you that you need to find a reliable source and have that be your go-to. Um, to help prevent that from happening to you. Cause that's very frustrating. I understand that. Yes. All right. So this is another question we get all the time. We tend to soil block a lot of stuff. We do also use plug trays, but there may be a difference in the amount of time it takes to grow a transplant, depending on the seed starting method you're using. So if my seed packet says to start four to six weeks in advance, when should someone start if they're soil blocking versus using plug trays? That's another great question. And that is one that we hear often. Um, as a general rule, again, that's why, as I mentioned earlier, we offer that range. Um, and so with soil blocking in general, we cut a third of the, the transplant growing time off of the conventional method. Like most seed packets would say on a given seed, take start six weeks before your last frost date. Um, and so we put four to six with the four kind of implying the soil blocking starting timeline um, and the higher end for the more conventional methods. Um, and so that is pretty much, you know, how that works. And again, you kind of quickly kind of learn how that process works once you do it. Wouldn't you say, Lane? I mean, yes. once you do it a couple of times, you kind of like get the gist of it. Yes, for sure. And I will have a tip at the end related to that as well. What would you say for a seed pack that just has one number and not a range? So if it just says start four weeks in advance, can you give a soil blocking and plug tray example in that instance? You mean the, what the timeline would be? Yes. Yeah. So if it was in a plug tray, most seed packets refer to conventional methods would be four weeks. But if I was going to be doing that for soil blocks, then I would take basically a third off that, which would pretty much just be a week. You know, it right. doesn't, it's not, it's not exact. It doesn't have to be exact science, but it's just not as long. You just don't want that little transplant to grow too big before it's time to actually plant it. Right. 
Now we're going to talk about the actual transplant dates because you need to know your targeted transplant date to be able to count backwards for when to start. So when should someone plant their cool season hardy annual transplants into the garden? And there are two times we might want to mention very early spring and fall. Right. So um, in a nutshell, any cool season hardy annual that is went that will survive your winter low temperatures or your winter hardiness zone can and should be fall planted for all those benefits. Fall planting is six to eight weeks before your expected historical first fall frost, which you can learn that on the Internet. That is not information you have to figure out yourself. You just enter that into a search engine. The second window is what we call very early spring. And very early spring, I say I always use the word very because it is not spring. Spring is when most of those are like on the verge of ready to bloom. Um, and so very early spring is six to eight weeks before your last spring expected frost. And you know, that everybody can pretty much plant then. You don't, I mean, it's that, that doesn't really isn't affected by where you live. You know, if you're in a colder region, well, you're not doing it until six to eight weeks before your last frost date. And those conditions are getting better as the time goes on. Um, so that's the windows that we actually travel by. Right. So you'd want to look up those frost dates, your first expected frost date in the fall, your last expected frost date in the spring, then you would count back six to eight weeks from whichever frost date is relevant, depending on whether you're planting in fall or very early spring. And then you count back from there the number of weeks it will take you to grow a seed to a transplant size. Yes. So as an example, if you wanted to plant out some cool season hardy annuals in very early spring, eight weeks before your last expected spring frost, and you're growing something that you anticipate taking four weeks from sowing to transplant, eight plus four is 12. So you'd actually want to start those seeds 12 weeks before your last expected spring frost. Right. It's really all about the calendar. It is. And we will see a calendar later on in this episode. Yes. All right. So for planning purposes, what date should someone use as their target transplant date for their warm season tender annuals? Sure. As a general planning tool, um, it is usually two weeks after your last expected frost date, because, you know, what if you just really think about what you just said, your last expected frost date, that is cold. Warm season tender annuals really get their best start when the soil is warm, the air temperature is warm. So literally waiting two weeks allows the soil to start to warm um, as well as the air temperature to warm. Yes. And remember that your last expected spring frost, it's just that it's expected. This is an average of historical data, which means there are times when there is a frost that occurs after that date. That's why it's an average. So it's really important to take that into account and leave two weeks as a buffer in case you do get a frost after that. It just kind of helps protect you from planting out a little too early, in addition to allowing the soil and the air to warm up a bit. And, you know, Lane, people really learn, and this is one of the things I write about in the book, people learning that there's cool and warm, and it's almost always the right time to plant one of them 
which leads you to become a better gardener because you don't have to push and plant early because there's always something to plant. And so it really makes you a better gardener and your plants just do so much better that way. Yeah. So again, just to summarize for your warm season, tender annuals, take the date two weeks later than your last expected frost date and count back from there. Yes. So again, as an example, if you wanted to plant out some warm season, tender annuals two weeks after your last expected spring frost, and you're growing something you expect to take four weeks from sowing to transplant, you would want to be starting those seeds two weeks before your last expected spring frost. Yeah. And not to confuse matters more, Lisa, you do push the envelope and plant sunflowers out a little earlier, but I think we'll do an entire separate episode on that. So we won't get into it here. All right. So that was for planning purposes. Now let's pretend you're in the territory where you have some warm season tender annuals that are getting ready to go out. And a lot of seed packets will say plant after danger of frost has passed. So how does someone know the danger of frost has really passed and that it's safe to plant out these warm season tender annual transplants? What temperatures and forecasts should they look for? Sure. And that's a great question. So the danger of frost is what you were just speaking of. That is that two week window after your historical expected frost date. And just as Lane mentioned, this is data that, I mean, you can go online and look it up, you know, just request that information. Um, And it's an average, it's a jumping off point. It's nothing's in stone, but waiting for that to like, for instance, our last expected frost historically has been mid-April. And our local garden writers in the newspaper tell people, do not plant tomatoes until May 1st because that's the two weeks that that not only is past that danger, but the soil begins to warm when the nights start to warm up is when the soil starts to warm up. And that's what they want. That's what warm season tender annuals want. And I think that we could do a whole talk about just how significant the start they get those first few days really impact the way plants perform over their life and their disease resistance. Yeah. So what nighttime temperatures should someone look for? My go-to is when I can look at the two-week forecast and it's going to stay above 60 degrees at night, not during the day, but at night, um, that's the real key. Unless if you're going to take heroic steps, if you're going to hoop and row cover, which we do every year to get some early stuff in, that's a whole separate conversation, right? But to just walk out and plant your plants for warm season, tender annuals, 60 degrees or higher at night for the two-week outlook to plant warm season. And it's also important to note that this is also true of transplants you might pick up at your local garden center. So they tend to start putting out tomatoes, peppers, they might put these things out very early, but in reality, it's too early to be planting those in the ground. And you might be disappointed if you do plant out too early and they get taken out by a frost. And, you know, I just want to say at the garden places, oh my goodness, you should be buying broccoli plants that are cool season, not tomatoes. I mean, they literally, yeah. And that again is just kind of learning some really basic seed starting rules. There's warm season, there's cool season and figuring out how to figure that out will liberate your planting. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk briefly about perennials. If someone is starting perennials from seed. So when should they plant out seedlings of perennials that are hardy in their zone? I love this question. 
Because I don't, this is a question I don't get very often, not from to talk about. Um, So fall planting for all trees, all shrubs, and all perennials that are hardy in your zone should be fall planted. Because if they're going to survive your winter, planting them in the fall allows them months of get established. Let's lay down some roots before the heat and humidity and pests and disease start attacking them. Um, You know, I heard a talk years ago from someone that said, you know, that half the trees planted in the world die over a three-year period. And it's all related that they're planted in spring instead of the fall that allows them to recover before they have to perform in spring. It's the same thing that's true with perennials. You almost get like a whole year hop by planting in the fall because they become established. So they'll actually perform the next year. They'll actually send up, you know, a nice, some nice foliage and some blooms. So my go-to is if it survives winter, you should definitely be fall planting it, whether it's a tree, shrub, perennial or a hardy annual actually. Yes. So just treat perennials that are hardy in your zone the same way you would treat cool season hardy annuals that are hardy in your zone. Planting in fall has a lot of benefits like Lisa mentioned, but you could also plant those out in very early spring. And you can use the timelines we laid out for cool season hardy annuals as a guide. So now we're going to go through a bunch of different flower seeds and talk about the ones that are kind of fast to get to a transplant size, medium speed, and then some slow growers. And these numbers are the Gardener's Workshop's typical estimates for the number of weeks it takes to get from sowing to transplant. So first, let's start with what I would call the faster ones. So these are seeds that typically take anywhere from two to four weeks from sowing to transplant. So in the two to three week range, we have sunflowers, sweet peas, zinnias. In the two to four week range, we have hyacinth bean and stock. And in the four week range, we have marigolds, millet, pot marigolds, which is calendula and status. I think that um, what people are taken by surprise um, by the short ones. Um, so one yes. of the things we common here, we commonly hear when we people learn that we start all of our sunflowers in plug trays or transplants to plant out when they're two and a half weeks old is kind of like the sweet spot Bobo has learned is they'll say, oh, I thought sunflowers don't transplant well. They don't when you leave them in six weeks. It's planting transplants on time just changes everything. And these fast growing ones are surprising, but you need to be prepared to plant them in a timely manner um, and you'll be greatly rewarded. They just hit the ground running. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little later in this episode about whether it's better to be too early or too late, but anything in this fast-growing time frame can catch you off guard with how quickly they grow. So it's a good idea to make sure you have some sort of a plan for where the plants are ultimately going before you start the seeds. Yes. All right, so now we're going to move into kind of the medium speed category, and this encompasses a lot of different flowers. So this might take me a minute to read out, but in the four to five week range, we have some different grasses and hibiscus. In the four to six week range, we have ageratum, amaranth, annual baby's breath, basil, carnations, celosia, cosmos, feverfew, gadisha, golden drumsticks, which are craspedia, gomfrina, Harry balls, which is gomphocarpus, physocarpus, 
Lombata, Love in a Puff, Ornamental Kale, Pincushion Flower, which is Scabiosa, Snapdragons, Strawflower, Sweet William, and Yarrow. And this is not an all-encompassing list. There are a lot of flowers, as you can see, but I just want to give you an idea of which of these flowers are kind of medium growers. What would you say about these, Lisa? Yeah, I am. So four weeks for soil blocking for most of these is kind of what we count on. And sometimes they don't get in the ground until five weeks just because of weather or being prepared. But for my planning purposes, I try to plan on four weeks. So that leaves me a little bit of wiggle room um, because I'd rather have to wait for a transplant to get ready than to have a transplant ready and me not be ready to do with it what it needs to happen next. Yes. Okay, so now we're starting to get into the slower time frame. So in the six to eight week time frame, we have black eyed Susans, which are Rudbeckia, and Campanula, which is also known as Canterbury Bells. And what my experience seems like with these is that um, for black eyed Susans and Campanula, anyway, they are slow to germinate. It's that yes. getting them to sprout, then they tend to grow. But it's get it's that slow, and because we're so daggone used to the quick sprouters, we automatically think something is wrong. And the longer it takes a seed to sprout, the more ways there is to kill it, overwatering it, having the wrong temperature, not enough water. Um, so just know that it's more challenging to start slower growing seed plants from seed um, of those stuff that I call just pokey. Um, I mean, they just make you crazy sometimes, but then all of a sudden one day they'll pop. And it's just so amazing to me. We have a fever few. Um, some of the veggie mows are like that. It's like all of the others in the series have started and there's one tray that's just sitting there with not a sprout. And then all of a sudden a couple, um, sometimes even 10 days later, I'll come out and guess what? They're all starting to sprout. They just have a different plan. And so it's hard, but you just deal with it best you can. Yeah. A common question we see a lot too is, are these things really going to be okay in the three quarter inch, which is the two centimeter soil block for the entire time they're growing up until they get transplanted? That's a good question. And yes, I mean, because as I said, half of, I'm not half, but a third of this time for these slow growers often is just sitting there waiting for the seed to sprout. So it's not that they're big, aggressive growers like a sunflower that's going to just have an amazing large root system or busting out of the block. Um, but the moral to the story of when you transplant up is when it starts growing out of its little kind of more to me, not so much the root system, it's the canopy when they're really pushing each other out of the way to get to sunlight. Um, so yes, they stay in the three quarter inch block at this stage. Yes. All right. Now we're going to move on to some pretty slow growers. So in the 10 to 12 week range, we have Dusty Miller, Eucalyptus, and foxgloves. And in the 12 to 16 week range, we have lisianthus. And we've mentioned before that for this reason, a lot of farmers actually buy lisianthus plugs rather than starting from seed. Can you talk about that, Lisa? Sure. And so um, again, all of these 
tend to have are just like those previous ones we spoke of. It's actually this the sprouting stage, which can really contribute to some of this extended time. And again, then like eucalyptus and lisianthus, actually all of Dusty Miller Foxglove, maybe not, but they're all just slow growers after they even sprout. So they literally um, don't necessarily grow out of their block, but that's such a small um, block of soil. I would bump up, not the foxglove or the dusty miller. They seem to do pretty good, but the eucalyptus and lisianthus, both because they grow into a little bit bigger transplant um, and actually just seem to take the longest, I think out of the four, we do bump them up, um, but they never are robustly pushing out of their blocks. They just aren't that kind of grower. They tend to do that out in the garden, um, but in the blocks, they don't really. And the real problem that I have personally with growing these four is it's just so easy to either over or under water them. Um, yes. It's because there's not a vigorous root system taking up all that water, it's just easy to grow funky stuff on the soil because it's just staying too wet too long. And um, so, yes, um, I was liberated when Jenny Love told me, she said, I don't just buy Lysianthus plugs. I buy eucalyptus plugs, foxglove um, plugs, and Dusty Miller. What that means is we buy commercial flats of like 100 or 200 plants in a flat um, already started and just about ready to go into the garden. And it's just because that's just a long time to have to babysit. Right. The longer you have seeds growing indoors, the more chances of something going wrong, you forgetting to water, yeah. watering too much, or they just want to be outside. So yeah. just to clarify, the eucalyptus and the lisianthus would get bumped up from the small three quarter inch block to either a two inch block or a plug tray, whatever your preference is, the Dusty Miller and Foxglove can live their entire life in the three quarter inch block until they're transplanted out. And, you know, I think that might be, I mean, I haven't really thought about it deeply, but Dusty Miller and Foxglove perhaps have a little bit more aggressive root system than the other two does, which just creates a healthier environment in the block. Yes. So yeah, yes. So we still have a few more questions to cover, but first we're going to go through some real life examples using a calendar. So we're going to do a cool season and a warm season example. So let's pull up a calendar here. Looking at this calendar, your last expected spring frost is around April 15th. And yes. you're eight weeks back from there, which is when you theoretically would be able to start planting your cool season hardy annual transplants into the ground. That would be February 18th. So when would you start your fever few seeds if they're in that four to six week range and your soil blocking? Right. So I would literally... Um, count back four or five weeks back from that 18th date. Um, we always, so when would that say one, two, three, four? I mean, y'all, you don't understand. A lot of people don't get it. It literally is about sitting down with a calendar and counting, right? So I would count back four weeks. So January 21st, yeah. Um, would be the latest that I would want to start my fever few. And because we have so many seeds to start often the week before that, Bobo will have a long list and she just tackles them. Um, and so it would be that four to five week count back was when we would start them. All right. So when would you anticipate 
hardening off this fever few. So if you sowed them on the 21st of January and you're intending to transplant them into the garden on the 18th of February, when would you anticipate they would be ready to be hardened off? Uh, Probably about the 11th, you know, I mean, at least to give them one week outdoors um, under our protected carport to get acclimated um, would be sufficient. Perfect. So you would start on January 21st, harden off starting on February 11th, aiming to transplant those out on February 18th. Correct. All right. Now let's do zinnias, which are warm season tender annuals, and they take two to three weeks to grow from sowing to transplant. So if you were soil blocking zinnias, when would you start those? Again, knowing that your last expected spring frost is around April 15th. Sure. And this always surprises people um, because we don't start starting zinnias per se until like the end of March at the very earliest, because it takes them two to three weeks to grow up to be big enough. And if we're not going to provide protection, that means you want to plant them a couple of weeks after the 15th. So really, if you go, let's just say, what what would that be? Uh, That would be the 29th of April is technically when it would be warm enough. So I would count back three weeks from them. So we wouldn't even be starting zinnias until the first full week of April. Um, Right. So when would you expect to be hardening off these zinnias? So if you start on maybe the 8th of April, when would you anticipate hardening off? Probably on the 22nd. Usually as a general guide, the last third of a transplant's life, it's really nice to have them outside being acclimated. I mean, that's just gives them about seven to 14 days, better to have it a little longer than a little shorter to get them acclimated to wind, heat, um, and all of those outdoor elements. Okay. So for zinnias, you might sow on the 8th of April, transplant out on the 29th, which means you would be hardening off around the 22nd. Yes. All right. This is just a general question, but Do you think it's better to be too early or too late in terms of your timing for starting seeds? I think this is probably the million dollar question. Um, People are just like we are. I mean, I was as a flower farmer. It's not so much the case now. We're so anxious to get started. We tend to start too early. And that, in fact, is the opposite of what I have come to be as a professional grower now. Um, I always tend to start later than too early. And the other part of um, this picture is that when you learn to embrace cool season hardy annuals and warm season tender annuals, you almost always have something to start. So you don't have to start too early. When you start a particular plant too early, then it begins to grow out of its bounds in its environment. It gets tall and rangy. And when I say rangy, it's it's stretching up, looking for light. It's bumping elbows. I mean, it's like putting four kids into one small bedroom and expecting them to live in there in harmony. And it just isn't going to happen. Um, and there's really nothing you can do. I've advised many people that started way too early, just compost those and start, you have time, start over. The quality of the seedlings will be a world of difference in your performance. So I always tend to err on starting later than starting too early. 
I agree. There's nothing sadder than watching a beautiful tray of seedlings go from thriving, looking yeah. great, and then they can just decline pretty rapidly if you're holding on to them too long. And, you know, it's just so funny. I mean, it was just somebody suggested to me not long ago about something to save it. And it's like, but it's not even really time to start that seed yet. Why? I mean, it's just that plant will not have the thrive and happiness that a healthy, stocky little transplant that hits the ground eager and happy to go. Yeah. Yes. All right. So this is a question for people that might have a shorter growing season. We have a pretty long growing season here in Southeastern Virginia, but how about for someone that lives in a region with a short growing season and they're planning on bumping up a lot of their seedlings? certain seedlings that we would plant out directly from the three quarter inch blocks. But these people want to start even earlier because they're planning on bumping them up to have larger transplants to put out because their season is so much shorter. So how many weeks in advance of the packet estimate should they start? So if their seed pack says to start four to six weeks in advance of transplanting, how many additional weeks back should they count if they're planning on bumping it up? So I would say, and this is a really great question, when I used to do um, doing conferences, whenever I was in the northern parts of the country, um, it was a very common conversation that we would have that, you know, they can't even plant a tomato till mid-June because it's so cold that the, the season doesn't start till then. And so they would start earlier to bump it up, to have a larger, more mature plant so that the growing time is advanced of where they would normally be. So I would say as a rule to be able to apply to any plant is I would add a third. So if it said six weeks and you are going to know you're going to bump it up, I would make it eight weeks, count eight weeks back because you know you're going to provide for a larger plant in the end. Um, yeah. So that way you can kind of apply it across the board. Yeah. So just figure out how many weeks in advance you would start if you weren't planning on bumping up and add around a third more time to that, just as a general rule of thumb. Right. I really, I mean, we bump up so few things. I mean, as a flower farmer, that is incredibly labor intensive, but for those um, and for the record, we buy plugs of Lysianthus. We are not starting, you know, we used to start eight to 10. We used to plant eight to 10,000 Lysianthus every year. Um, that would not be something we would bump up. I mean, that's just not a reasonable, um, efficient way to do things. But with eucalyptus, we just don't grow that many. So it works out really, really well. So it is a great option to get a bigger, hearty, healthy plant. Yeah. All right. So the last question is actually more of a tip. And this is something that I share with any customers that reach out to us with timing questions. It's really important to remember that everyone's seedlings grow at different rates, depending on the temperature of your grow area, the method you're using to start your seeds, your soil mix, how often you fertilize, and even the seed varieties. So the tip that I give everyone is record the time it takes you to grow various seed types to a transplant size and use those estimates going forward. That's going to be the most accurate. And remember that the timing might be different depending on the time of year. So my growing space tends to get very cool in the winter, but then it gets very warm in the summer. So it takes me longer to grow the same type of seed in late winter or early spring than it does at the height of summer. That's a great tip. 
um, Lane. And, you know, I, as a commercial grower, you know, we talk about that big calendar. That's a great place to record that kind of information because that's what we look back on next year to plan that year. Um, and for a for a home gardener, I really recommend having a, having a seed starting little notebook, you know, that you can write down what you don't get too detailed heavy, but make it so it's yeah. an easy look back rep, make a page, if you're going to be starting lots of tomatoes or lots of zinnias, have a zinnia page and just put your notes there. How long did it take? When was your first harvest? You know, you create your own little data bank of this, the best information for your garden and the way you're setting it up. Yep. All right. Well, that was our episode for today. I hope that answered some of the questions that a lot of you have. If you haven't already and you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating or review in a podcast app, we always appreciate that. And we love when you like and comment over on YouTube. So thank you so much for joining us. Yes. And um, if you want to keep up with what's going on at the Gardener's Workshop, head on over to thegardenersworkshop.com and um, we'd be happy to, to, to greet you over there. So friends, until we meet again, bye Lane. Bye.